Koinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is Community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. Welcome to Koinonia. This is Mark Buckley filling in for Tom Brown. With me in the studio is Veronica Morrison. She's got a wonderful ministry called Young Lives. We're going to get to know her personally, get to know her testimony, her ministry, and uh, you're going to enjoy that. Before we get into our talk, though, I want to just say a few words about the shooting in Orlando. To me, as to most Americans, this is a heartbreaking tragedy, something that uh, shows us how much we need to be praying for our country. It shows us how giving into violence, giving into hatred of any kind is really giving into a demonic urge that that brings grief. I bet you, if we were to hear the stories of those 49 people that were killed, maybe even more of them will die before the those all get out of the hospital. I bet some of those folks have had people praying for them. I bet some of them um, just made a last-minute decision to go to that nightclub that night, and, and uh, I'm sure they all wish they would have left a little early, but Regardless of what motivated them, regardless of what their background is, their orientation, they're made in the image of God, they're loved by God, and we need to stand for life, all of life, life in the womb, life uh, from birth to the time we go to meet the Lord in a natural way. And I don't think it's a time to find fault with our president. I don't think it's a time to find fault with political leaders. It's absolutely impossible to have a society that is so controlled that anybody who expresses any kind of uh, anger, frustration, or anything towards another group, uh, if they're all going to be arrested, uh, then we would have a total police state. We need to have faith to obey God with our own life. We need to have faith to pray for our country, pray for our leaders. And we need to realize that we're going to be living with a level of violence all the days of our life. And uh, the response isn't to get afraid. It isn't to go move up into the mountains and buy guns and gold and try and... uh, insulate yourself from the reality of life. There's always been violence in society. And Jesus said in the last days, the wickedness would increase and the love of many people will grow cold. You'll know that it will grow cold because people are afraid. And if they're afraid, then they're not loving each other. They're not sharing with each other. They're not forgiving each other. And then Satan wins the victory. He wins the victory when people are divided, when hatred grows, when suspicion grows. And we're not going to let that happen. In Jesus' name, we can overcome the evil one. Well, my guest today is Veronica Morrison. Veronica, I'm so glad to have you here. And uh, I just want you to say hi before we take our first break and tell us uh, a little bit of your background, who you're married to, and the name of your kids, and what your ministry is. Yes, hello, Mark. Thanks for having me. My name is Veronica Morrison. I'm married to a really kind man, Alistair Morrison, who's um, with the Phoenix Police Department, so he knows a lot about what you're talking about. Um, we have three kids. Our oldest is eight. His name is Elijah, and then Liam and Juliet. So we got a girl in the end, which is fun. Wonderful. And um, do you have any thoughts? I just mentioned that Orlando shooting. What What are your thoughts about that? Um, for, well, first of all, it's tragic. 
Um, but my thought is that you know, I'm curious to know and see what God does in the midst of it to reveal that He does love and that He is present and He comforts those who mourn. And I think um, that gives me hope in all of life. His comfort is good. Amen. And He works for the good in all situations. Veronica Morrison is my guest. She's got a wonderful ministry called Young Lives. We're going to find out about it in just a moment. Stay tuned to Koinonia. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Koinonia. This is Mark Buckley. Uh, in the studio with me are Veronica Morrison and Chris Ann Valdez. Ladies, it's great to have you with us today. Um, Veronica, let's start with you. Tell us your story. How did you start following Jesus? Oh, okay. Well, um, my I kind of have an interesting background. So my father was raised Jewish and came mm-hmm. to know the Lord. Um, actually participated in the um, original Jesus film and kind of really got discipled in really? the midst of that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Was he a producer, a film guy? Or? He was actually in the film. Really? Mm-hmm. And so he met um, a man named Frank Consalvo at the time. I know Frank, yeah. Yeah, really great man and started discipling him and um, just really fell in love with the Lord and then met my mom who is um, Puerto Rican and they met in New York, which is how... Uh, white Jewish man and a Puerto Rican gal kind of fall uh-huh. in love, different parts of different cultural backgrounds. And yeah. so they came together. I think the thing they had in common was Jesus, but culturally it was just really, really different. Really huh? different. And so they moved to Arizona with no community. And so they had two kids, me and my brother. I was the oldest and their marriage just was really rocky. They tried going to church, but they just weren't consistent, so they didn't have that structure to really mm-hmm. kind of keep it the way the Lord intended it. And so I came to know the Lord as early as a child, but um, really just struggled with my parents and my home life, not not feeling safe. And around 12, my dad left the house, and I was on my feeling like on my own. My, my dad was a huge picture of Christ for me, and so I had a hunger for family, And I met kind of a friend group in junior high that I thought would meet that need, but they were into all kinds of stuff that was not the Lord. And so I participated in a lot of drinking, a lot of marijuana. For some reason, the Lord protected me from anything more than that. It was like a shield. I mean, I was always in horrible places, but nothing horrible happened to me. And then I heard about this place called Young Life. And so I went when I was 14 years old. There were some cute boys there, so I showed up. And I went to Young Life, and I heard the message of Jesus like I had never heard it before. And um, I always loved him, and I, I, I did have a relationship with him, but this was just amazing. And so I, I never missed a night. They would meet every week on Monday nights. I, there was not one night in my whole high school career that I missed. Wow. Um, but I'm telling you, I would show up high. I would show. I mean, I was the worst Young Life kid. My poor <laughs> leaders. They said, Veronica, you would come and show up and say, I love preaching the gospel when I'm drunk because there's just so many needy people and I'm, <laughs> I'm just like I'm free. And they're like, Oh no, 
So um, it wasn't until about I was about 18 years old that I said, you know what, I'm sick of trying to live life my own way. I'm ready to go your way, Jesus. And if that means being without a family and being really alone, I'm willing to do it. And so for about six months, I, I was alone, and it was the biggest fear of my life. My mom wasn't around. My dad was distant. Um, I didn't have my friends anymore. All I had was Jesus, and it was absolutely magnificent. He became friends with the Lord. Oh, yeah. And he met me in every need that I imagined. And I remember I was taking a walk. And on this walk, I was telling him, I'm like, Jesus, you've shown up. You're remarkable. I'm so grateful for you. Is there anything I could do for you? Like, I I want to please you. I want to do something for you. And I I felt for the first time I heard the Lord's voice, and it wasn't audible. Mm -hmm. It was actually my own thoughts, but I knew they weren't from me. And he said, I want you to give back. I want you to be a young life leader. And I, I thought to myself, is this for real? Is this true? And I realized I had walked, I had stopped right in front of the new Young Life director's house. And so I was like, well, this is it. I walked up and I knocked on the door and I've been doing ministry ever since. That's awesome. That's wonderful. And we're going to find out about your ministry in just a moment. Chris Ann Valdez, tell us about yourself a little bit. How did you get to know the Lord? Um, well, my parents didn't meet in a Jesus film. <laughs> Neither of them was that cool. Um, I grew up in a very, um, a very Christian loving environment. My parents, uh, took in foster kids all growing up. So I always had a number of siblings, people to play with all the people time, to play with. Well, I was the oldest, so I feel like people to babysit oh, was yeah. more like it. Um, so it was a very loving environment, but when I was about 17 or 18, I kind of started to question things more and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of step out on my own. Um, so I went through like a difficult patch sort of like Veronica did. Um, And then when I was 19 or 20, I started a program called Master's Commission. It was discipleship-based. At Phoenix First Assembly? Yes. Great. uh So I did that for a year, and then I got out. And the whole program, you kind of run on this, like, spiritual high of Mm -hmm. always ministering, always, you know, giving back to the community and, and having this wonderful community surrounding you at the same time. And so I got out of that, and instead of feeling really fulfilled, I started to feel very depressed because, like, real life wasn't like that community. Um, And so I I continued to struggle, and I called myself for a long time an atheist Christian Mm -hmm. because I still believed in Jesus, but I just wasn't really following or seeking after him the way that I wanted to be in my heart. I just felt so distant from him, and I couldn't. I couldn't figure out why or or how to get back to him. Um, And then I actually became a leader in Young Lives. When I was starting to come out of that more, I was married at this point. I had a child. So from the outside, I looked like I was just a cookie-cutter Christian. And then inside, I still had all this turmoil. Uh, And I met the the gals like Veronica and the other leaders. And it's just been a process for me of really falling in love with the Lord again in a new way. Um, So that's kind of... That's your story, and you're sticking with it, huh? Yes. You know what you said there? I've seen the same kind of thing happen with people who go to YWAM and different mission experiences where they they live in a wonderful community and then they come back out and it's not quite the same. I think that we need to create those kind of communities in our churches. I think that people need to open their homes. People need to be willing to share and and you have to work on it. You know what I mean? You have to... when I was a young believer, we moved into a discipleship. I moved into a discipleship house, and we literally held all things in common. We did it like Acts 2, 
And it was awesome. It was exactly what I needed because I needed not just to be in an environment that was drug and alcohol free. I needed to be in an environment where people were sharing their faith, where they were reading the Bible, where they were doing evangelism, where they were sharing their possessions because that broke some of the greed and selfishness that that was in my heart. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm a huge proponent of that. And Otherwise, a lot of people fall through the cracks. They, if if all they're doing is going to Sunday services and maybe one home group a week, a lot of people just really don't make it, do they? No. Um, Veronica, tell us about Young Lives. Give us the vision. Some people have no idea what we're talking about when we mention that ministry. Yeah, so Young Lives is actually part of a larger organization called Young Life, and Young Lives' mission is to reach out to teenagers with the hope and um, that's found in the gospel in Jesus Christ. And so it's a evangelizing. It's a lot of discipleship. And, and their mission statement says all kids everywhere. Mm-hmm. And with that big of a mission statement, they kind of realized all kids everywhere means more than what they imagined. Not just the kids that are living happily ever after in two-parent families. So. Oh, yeah. And so there's been branches that have come out of that. One of those was is Capernaum, which is the special needs ministry. And then the other is Young Lives, which is Young Lives ministry to teenage mothers. And so it's a beautiful ministry to what really the world would consider the outcasts of society. And so originally, for me, getting involved in Young Lives... Um, was kind of a big deal because and after about doing ministry in Young Life for 10 years, I caught a glimpse of Young Lives, and I said, I would never do that. It is so hard to not only deal with high school kids, but high school kids with babies and high school kids under extreme poverty. Um, and it just seemed like too much work for me. And I know getting into the mission had a lot to do with me realizing that God calls us to the impossible in order for us to see his glory. And so saying yes to starting Young Lives in downtown Phoenix for me has been this incredible adventure of the Lord saying, I will provide because I really am desperate for the poor, broken, and oppressed. And so it's been, I I know Christiane would probably agree with me, it's been absolutely remarkable to watch young women who lay awake at night feeling desperate and alone and then get to be his hands and feet and say, you're not alone, we're here, and develop a community out of these girls. And they really are world changers. I mean, it is incredible what these young mothers are doing in their communities to draw others to Christ. That's awesome. We wouldn't have dreamed how powerful they were going to become. Christiane, tell us some stories from your ministry at Young Lives that have touched your heart. Um, I do. I have a young gal that I was mentoring for a little while. It's the first one that comes to my head. Um, and she was just in a place, a lot of the girls, even when they're like 19 and 20, even like upwards of 22 and 23, I would say, don't have their license. Like they, they just kind of sit at home and they don't dream for themselves. They don't feel like capable maybe of they feel shamed that they've had a baby without being married i think it's that and just part of it is just feeling like they're like insignificant like there Mm -hmm. isn't a lot of worth um in them or a lot of dreaming like Mm -hmm. capabilities so they'll just kind of sit at home with their their baby and they don't they don't work or have a license or or finish high school or if they finish high school they don't even dare think about going on to college and so there was one gal that i was working with and it was just kind of more the practical application of our faith, like just going and working on testing her for her permit and getting her license and mm-hmm. just the baby steps that her and I got to take together. And and they were all very practical. It was just like job applications and, and those kinds of things. But uh, to, she got to speak this year at the T and it 
totally like broke me down to hear her say like that these were the things that she needed to to fall more in love with Jesus and the community yeah. was just to have like that uh, self-worth restored to her in a way of like, oh, I, I can have dreams and I can dream bigger and I can then reach out to other girls and like tell them like you have a whole life awaiting you in Jesus yeah. and in this community. And all you have to do is like take these baby steps. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really neat. So Veronica, how do you find the girls? How do you, I mean, tell tell us how the your community is structured and how these young women come to you. So um, at a lot of the, well, what we do is we partner with different high schools and a lot of the high schools, they actually have on campus groups for the team mom support groups. Mm -hmm. And so we started at Central High School was the first, um, but then we came to discover that there are actual charter schools all around the valley where a majority of the students are teen moms and they actually have childcare on campus. Really? So yeah. So Robert L. Duffy is one and then career success. And these schools are really struggling schools. I mean... Um, just really even sad to go there and see just how um, how hard the environment is for them. But um, it has been really great to get to go and show up at these schools and encourage the social workers and the teachers and say, we're going to come alongside you as you work with um, girls that otherwise wouldn't have much hope. We're going to find out the response of the school districts and, and everything in just a moment. This is Mark Buckley with Koinonia filling in for Tom Brown today. Thanks for being with us. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Koinonia. I'm Mark Buckley. My guests are Veronica Morrison and Chris Ann Valdez. Um, so, Veronica, did you just show up, knock on the door of a principal's office at a school and say, I'm with Young Lives and we'd like to help your girls? How, how do you do go about that? So there's a lot of different um, ways to do that. When, when we first started at Central High School, um, it was kind of tough because we're a Christian organization, mm-hmm. and sometimes when you're working with a public school, they they don't particularly like that. And so the principal that we were working with um, it was not a fan of Christian organizations. So when we, when we had that first meeting, we knew that we were going in with a good chance that they were not mm-hmm. going to want us there. And so we showed up, and we met with a social worker and the vice principal, and they said, we already have something for teen moms, even though we knew it wasn't really working. But they said, we already have something with for teen moms. We, we don't really need you. And mm-hmm. so I said, again, I, this is what we do. These are some letters of recommendation that we have from other schools. And the lady, after a couple minutes, said, threw her hands up in the air and said, fine, whatever, I don't care anyways, I'm retiring. And she walked out of the room. Are you kidding? Uh-huh. And this gal that was already in the room looked at me and she said, I'm a Christian and I love young lives. Oh, I just man. finished my book. It's called Mending the Soul for Students. Wow. And if you've heard of Mending the Soul, it is a remarkable curriculum. And so from there, we received so much favor that we couldn't even believe it. And again, I think prayer is way more powerful than we ever imagined because he went before us 100% 
basement yeah. and opened the door wider than we ever imagined. You know, that's such a great story because it shows that the, the girl who wrote the book was just having to patiently persevere because her boss was so antichrist in a way. Oh, and yeah. she did persevere and then God did something really special. And you guys have been going at Central ever since. Huh? Ever since. Yeah. She even left. What was wonderful was she was leading the group, another social worker who was new. Um, she would have her come too. And what I didn't realize was she had been sharing the gospel with her. Mm-hmm. And so she had come to know the Lord and came became a huge fan of Young Lives. So when the other social worker had retired, or actually she'd switched schools. Mm-hmm. She was still for us to the point that even when she left, she opened the door for the next gal. So it's just incredible provision. Describe one of your club meetings. You, your Young Lives, you meet once a week. Uh, Chrissy, why don't you start and just tell us what would go on at a typical meeting? Um, so we have D group uh twice a month and then we have club once a month and so Mm -hmm. in d group it's really neat because we get more one-on-one time with the gals Mm -hmm. where we're all sitting and uh, we just take a bible passage and then we break it down with the girls and we do practical application and then normally we have anywhere from like five to 15 girls that come to this so it's a lot more intimate Mm -hmm. we just get to hear their stories more, hear where they're at with life. Um, and then we do prayer requests, and, and we just get to pour into the girls in a really neat, more personable and way. And you'll have two or three leaders with you in that environment? At least, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we have more leaders than gals on any mm-hmm. given week. So it's just a really neat um, time of, of community. Yeah. And then uh, we have the club, and that's more like the fun, that kind of razzle-dazzle the girls and, mm-hmm. and try to pull them in. So that's really fun. And then... We have like a time of games and activities and getting to know each other. And then someone will give a message and a talk and then we eat together. So Veronica, um, when you give a message at a club, what, what are some of the things you're trying to do? What, what are you trying to communicate? So when, so D group, like she said, it's discipleship group. Mm -hmm. And that's for the girls that are more interested in learning about Christ, but club really girls are coming up and they might have never even heard about Jesus. And, and do so, you do the clubs on the campuses or where do you do them? We actually do club at Living Streams, your church, um, the second Thursday of the month. And, and anybody would be welcome. Anybody's welcome. We have, I mean, we need so much help because they get to bring their babies. So this involves yeah. child care workers. Um, a lot of the girls, again, this is great poverty, so they could come pretty hungry. And so we make sure and always feed them a meal because that might be the only meal they get that day. Are you kidding? For their kids. It's and that we always bad, try to, huh? It's that bad. And we always try to do leftovers, too, because we know usually they have people at home that aren't eating as well. We also have donations. I mean, the Lord just provides. So we have donations coming out of our ears. Chrisanne helps with that with another gal, Ashley Wallersheim. And so they come and legitimately, they they first start coming for the food and the donations. Mm -hmm. Um, It's funny, many of the testimonies, they tell us, we were just coming for donations. We had no idea that it was going to change and transform our lives. So they come and we do fun, silly stuff. We let them be kids. Mm -hmm. A lot of times they don't get to be kids. The amount of responsibility that they have for being so young is astronomical. So we want them to laugh until their sides hurt and we want them to play and we want them to be children. Something that we found with these girls is they've experienced all kinds of horrendous abuse, sexual abuse, um, especially if they're getting pregnant at 14. 
15 years old, some even earlier, 12. So this is, this can, they're pregnant sometimes from uncles or cousins or from whoever, huh? Yeah, a lot of times that is true. Or they've been molested as a child and their perception of sex is so skewed um, that they find themselves in all kinds of relationships. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when somebody's been abused, um, they, they end up being abused multiple times mm-hmm. um, just because of the, the distortion that has happened. So when you... Um talk to one of these girls when they first come to your group and you realize they're in a really bad situation. Somebody's using or abusing them even currently. How do you deal with that? Well, a lot of times we're, we're just kind of trying to get them to know them at first. And, um, a lot of that comes out slowly. Um, Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's quick, but, um, you know, we do have to call CPS when something's reported to us, but a lot of times, um, they don't, they, maybe they know that, so they're slow to tell us. And so really our, our first step is to create an environment where they feel safe, mm-hmm. safe enough to share their heart, safe enough to even learn that there's somebody willing to listen. That's new. And so one of my favorite things about club is at the end of club, we should get to share with them about Jesus. And we actually do it in steps. So first we kind of talk about how Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. And so uh, we hear about God in so many different ways that are all skewed and broken and just wrong. Mm -hmm. And so what we want to do with them is we say, we want to look at Jesus because Jesus is God in the flesh. And when we look at his life, we learn about his character. And so when we look at Jesus, it's the best because the way he treated women was absolutely incredible, especially Mm -hmm. women that have been hurt and abused and that you know, just like these gals, the outcasts, and when they hear about how he clothes them in dignity, they can't help but fall in love with him. I mean, that's for anybody, but especially for them. And then we talk about sin and why this world is so broken and why they've experienced the things they have and why they get stuck doing the things that they do. And it's heartbreaking. But then we get to tell them that Jesus went to the cross for them, that he redeemed, redeemed them. And then my favorite day is Resurrection Day because then we get to say, and then he conquered it all. He redeemed it all. And just as he resurrected himself, he can resurrect you and the places in you that you thought were long dead, that hope would never be restored. And so it's my favorite thing because they come and they get to hear about real life hope found in Jesus. And then they get to partner with a leader who actually lives that out for them and gets to be the example that they just heard about Jesus in their life. And when they experience that safety, that's a lot of times when we start to hear stories that um, are so heartbreaking. I mean, people think that these are just girls who got pregnant, but they have no idea or understanding um, some of the dark, dark things that have been done to them. Yeah. Does that touch your heart, Chris? Have you been? Do you, you want to rescue these girls? How do you respond when you hear some of those stories? Oh, definitely. I we go to camp with them every year, and we have cabin times, and I think that's when a lot of it comes out because they feel safe there after they've you know spent a lot of time with us mm-hmm. and it's always very heartbreaking um i i feel like as a leader this will be my fourth time going to camp my first reaction is always just i'm so sorry that this happened to you mm-hmm. i feel like they need to know that somebody cares and grieves with them i think that's just like the response that anyone would want in a situation like that mm-hmm. um And then I think it's just like Veronica said, is showing them the heart of Jesus and showing them that there is a God who cares about them. Um, And I think even because society paints them as this picture, right, of the of the teen, um, for lack of a better term, like the sluts, right, the teen Mm -hmm. sluts who got pregnant. And it's such an awful image of these beautiful young girls who were just scarred from life and the 
the um, consequences of the sin of other people that was done to them. It's just then that they've gone in and acted out on it. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, it's, it is, it's so heartbreaking. And then it's so beautiful at the same time to get to show them restoration and how, like, look at your baby and how much you love them, you know, and, and Jesus loves you and, and wants you and your child to like be healthy and be whole and, and get to live that out with him. Um, so describe camp for us. Um, so camp. All right. So we were just talking about how hopeless their situations are. And then they come to camp and they get to hear that message that I just shared with you, but they get to hear the message of the gospel. And Where, kind of a where's condensed... camp and who pays for it and all that. So it's kind of this condensed message of the gospel and they get to do that in a safe environment. And mm-hmm. so we actually take them out of their living situations here in town and we take them up to Williams, Arizona. And it's at this beautiful place called called Lost Canyon, and every element of camp reflects the goodness of God. It is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, it is remarkably fun. The people there are safe and good and kind, and they get served even with delicious food. And while they're there um, and they hear the story, something happens to them. So there was this one time we had cabin time, and one of the gals, she felt so much brokenness that whenever she shared her heart, she'd have to cover her face with a blanket. And so um, for me, I I just was so sad for her that she felt that much shame. And so one day during cabin time, I just pulled the blanket off and I looked at her and I said, your God is good and he loves you and he sees you as his child. He has a destiny for you. And that night, the speaker showed this clip from um, the movie. It's called The Blood Diamond. And Mm -hmm. it's just telling the story of um, this boy who gets kidnapped in Africa in Sierra Leone when kids were getting kidnapped and made to do drugs and do horrible things and they would forget their identity. So in this clip, the father had been searching for his kidnapped son and he finds his son there and his son doesn't recognize him. The son had forgotten his identity and the dad calls him out by name and he starts saying, this is who you are. You're my son. You're your your mother's son. You love your dog and he misses you and just starts saying all the things that were his true identity and then the boy remembers his father and I and it was this beautiful picture of the girls had forgotten their identity because the world had dealt them this horrible card Mm -hmm. and here he was he's saying that's not who you are you are not shame you are my daughter and your royalty and there's great dignity for you and so even though this is a hard ministry it's the funnest ministry because it's a ministry of hope where we get to really see people restored and when they take that dignity when they take that worth they do remarkable things they're transformed from the inside out awesome stay tuned we're talking about young lives a ministry that takes young moms who are teenagers and gives them hope gives them dignity gives them a future just like jesus does for all of us who call on his name we'll be right back after these messages Welcome back to Koinonia. My guests are Veronica and Chris Ann, and we are talking about young lives. Um, Veronica, you were telling us you've got a camp, and the camp holds a couple of hundred women and a couple hundred kids? Yeah. 
And um, who funds all of that? So we just take donations from uh-huh. generous people that want to support and give to the mission. Um, it's interesting because I think that there are a lot of people that um, really have a heart for teen moms because they've been impacted by some way right. by a teen mom. And so it is incredible the amount of generosity and the amount of gen- generosity it takes um, yeah. to make this happen. And and this is truly a life transforming experience. And I think there's a real reason why Jesus said, reach out to the prisoners, to the person in the hospital, to the poor, because they're vulnerable. And when they experience love and resources, it can change their lives, can it? Well, and I think even more, so my favorite part of doing Young Lives is just um, like what you said, there's, you know, the poor and Jesus Mm -hmm. says to take care of the poor. But, you know, that saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, I was hearing a Tim Keller message, and he was talking about what that means. And it's not just the poor, but poor in spirit means you're not, you're not wealthy in spirit, you're not middle class in spirit, you're poor in spirit. It's mm-hmm. a humility before the Lord. And I think in watching this, I've seen women with such great wealth come and do young lives and and people with you know great resources come and do young lives and they're working with these girls and their resources aren't enough their wealth isn't enough mm-hmm. they look at me and they say veronica you called me into this i thought i was going to help but their problems are too big for me and i get to say watch the lord intercede with the lord like you are poor in spirit right now and it's crazy how the poor working with the poor makes you poor in spirit and so they've gotten to watch the lord do such wonderful things their faith is so alive they're experiencing the Lord like they've never had before and serving the poor, thinking that they were going to be a blessing to them, but really they and the Lord have been a blessing to them. Yeah. When when we're called into ministry and all of us who are believers in Jesus are called into ministry, it's for our sake as well as the people we're trying to help. I mean, we need it. I remember the first people that I ever started sharing my faith in Jesus with, the Holy Spirit starts speaking through me. I realized this is the Holy Spirit because I didn't even plan this. And that means Jesus is alive at the right hand of the Father because that's how I got the Spirit in the first place. And I don't know if they ever got saved, but it's like it saved me, (laughs) you know. Um, So can you use more volunteers? Could you use more workers? Always, always. I remember this one day we really needed help with donations and working with donations and collecting donations. And I'm thinking that is my worst fear. I don't, I'm not good sorter. Like I'm not good with this stuff. When you say donations, you mean anything from diapers to baby shoes to whatever, huh? All of it. But we have to get it. We have to organize it and we have to disperse it. And that's not my gifting. And so I'm praying, Lord, please let there be somebody who wants to do this. And this gal in my Bible study the next day shows up and she said, Veronica, you know, I'm an architect. I have the mind of an engineer. Like, I like to organize things. I like mm-hmm. to have stuff. I never want to do young lives, but the Lord has told me I'm supposed to help you. And I'm, I, babies are not my thing. And I said, can you do donations? And she says, that sounds great. And for five years, she did donations with me. Wow. And the Lord called her to actually move to a different state where she started Young Lives in Colorado. And really? so the Lord oh, had this wonderful. big, big thing for her to do. And she was just faithful with her giftings. And she still operates in the way that God gifts her too. But it was remarkable. So you never know how God's going to use. She she never thought that mind, the way that she was gifted, would help teen moms. Right. But it did. And everybody's got a gift, and everybody's gift is really important. When did Young Lives begin? How long has it been going on? 
So um, Young Lives actually started about 25 years ago, somewhere in Canada, I, I believe. I could be wrong, but it really didn't take off until about 15 years ago, actually here in Arizona, in Gilbert, Arizona. And a man named Marty Caldwell mm-hmm. um, really kind of got that going. He was the director of Young Life at the time and had a vision with another gal for that. And He was my guest last Monday. Oh, wow. Well, hey. And so Marty, you know, he's a big dreamer. He dreams for the impossible. And it was just another example of that coming to fruition. And so it took off in the East Valley, but unfortunately, nothing was happening in Phoenix. And so that's when we got started about five years ago, or actually six years ago now. And one of the things the Lord's given you is a house, a discipleship house. Tell us about that. So um, we were taking girls to camp, and they were having this great experience with the Lord. And then they were coming home, and they were living back in these horrible situations. There was one gal in particular. She's the sweetest, most soft-spoken gal. And she told me, Veronica, um, I'm living with my mom who deals drugs out of our house day and night. And at the time, she was also not a legal citizen, so she couldn't work and get a job. And she was really struggling. She tried every which way to get her citizenship. It was not working out for her. She actually was born on the way into the United States, so she missed it by hours. And that, I mean, caused depression like you wouldn't believe. And so here she was, and she told me, Veronica, I'm terrified all the time. I'm scared the CPS is going to take my daughter. I'm I'm scared that somebody's going to hurt us. And you're so... You're so kind and telling me to memorize scripture, but it's not helping. And I just remember being so heartbroken for it because I'm like, you're right. And and so I started praying. I said, Lord, there's a need. There's a need for safety for these girls that have said yes to following you but are still living in darkness. And God opened up doors. And, I mean, we prayed so fervently. I had no idea what was going to happen. But Living Dreams, your church, Mark Buckley, um, had this discipleship house that became vacant. And... By the grace of God, it worked out that young lives got to live there and got we got to open up that home for a discipleship house. And it has been um, the greatest thing I've ever gotten to partake in in my life. Tell it's, us how some of the girls and kids are doing there. So um, the girls that live there, they actually, it's a toddler house right now. All their kids are toddlers. It's wild. Um, but to watch them, one of them is on Young Life staff with us. Um, they all volunteer in Young Lives and give back. And so here they are, what the world would consider the least of these. And now they're out there pouring back and giving their lives away and, and doing things that seem so simple, like having a job and um, going to school. But really, for them, they were insurmountable obstacles yeah. to making yeah. that happen. And so now they have the opportunity to do that. So not only are they giving their lives away, but they're starting to build and forming a life where they could really live in safety on their own someday, which is so good. Awesome, which is really, really awesome. They're, they have jobs. They have a safe place for their kids to grow up. And how are the little ones doing? Um, they are so wonderful. I, I, again, this is the greatest joy of my life is to watch these kids um, who before, you know, even as babies, there was a struggle there. And now yeah. to see them have joy um, and to constantly be spoken blessing over wherever they go. They're just people speaking life into them and us praying for them. And I just know one of these days I'm going to get to watch them share their testimony someday mm, as they're right. older and they have a great story yeah. to tell. And some of them that grow up in the house, it'll be interesting to see what the Lord does yeah. for them and with them. huh? Um, do you have any vision for opening more houses in the future? Oh, my gosh. I can't. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Tell us, tell us your vision. What would you really like to see happen 
in the next five to ten years? I would love to see more homes open. And um, we actually started, the Lord kind of gave me a vision for opening up or starting a 5013C called Room for Me. Mm-hmm. And I think there there's a need for people to find a place to know that there's a place for them in the kingdom of God. And having houses, like you said, discipleship houses that are good, that are run by people who love the Lord and want to disciple the whole person, there's a need for that. And not just with teen moms, but even in Young Life and doing downtown Phoenix, there's a lot of teens that um, want to become leaders and they're 19, 20 years old and they're giving their lives away, but they're still under the same obstacles and, mm-hmm. and struggling the same way. And there's some really great men that I know that are 19 that don't have a place to live and every penny that they make goes to all their siblings and it's hard. And I, I think the Lord wants to cause a, cause a revival in our city, but especially in these poor areas, we need to help them have sustainable living situations so they could do the great work that the Lord is calling them to do. And, and so, yeah, I, I have big dreams, I have big visions for more discipleship houses in Phoenix. Well, that's what really helped me as a young guy. I mean, I mentioned earlier that we moved into a house, Christina, I, and I. she moved in after we were married, but I lived there for the first year as a young believer, learning to share, learning to give, learning to do ministry. And um, that helped break the cycle of just being around all my old doper friends. And then uh Christina and I, when we got married, we led this house and we did did it for like six or seven years till we started having more and more of our own kids. But it enabled me to have, since we had guys living with us and they worked on our construction company and stuff, I could do ministry. We'd do a job and then we could take a few days off to do our evangelism and Bible studies. And it prepared the way for me to go into full-time ministry. A lot of guys don't know how do they break the rat race of I've got bills, I've got a family. Well, when you have people living together in community, there's all kinds of possibilities that can open up. That's so good. So there you have it. Christian, what is your vision for the years to come? Ooh, my vision is to follow Veronica wherever the Lord leads her. <laughs> he has given her such a passion for this city and uh, state. And sometimes I, my husband and I dream big about, you know, living overseas or going to elsewhere. And uh-huh. and then I come back to Young Lives on a Thursday night and Veronica's speaking over our city. And I'm like, I can't leave. <laughs> I've got to be part of this. I've got to be part of this. So I think she's just an incredible leader and she's got a whole little um, – row of ducklings just following her wherever she leads us. Well, you know, and that's part of how the body of Christ is set up. Leaders, it says in Romans 12, leaders need to lead with zeal. You know, givers need to give with generosity. Prophets need to prophesy. Teachers need to teach. Everybody needs to be using their gifts and going for it. And you've got a leadership gift, Veronica. It comes in a small package and a general package. But talk to us about leading people and not being ashamed or shy about using your leadership gift. Well, it's funny. Growing up, I don't think I ever would have thought I had a leadership gift. It's not like I enjoy being in charge with a boss, I don't think. Um, Or at least it wasn't in that kind of form. But what I did discover is that I had a huge love for everybody around me. And I absolutely think people are fascinating, just the different ways that God made each person. And mm-hmm. and I really believe that when you know how God made you, 
um, and you say yes to it, you can do great things. And so it's like everywhere you go, there's potential. Each person you meet, like there's so much potential in you. And the lie of the enemy is that you're of no use or you're not needed. And then I get to be the person that says, you really are needed. And the Lord has given me a vision for what the need is. Mm -hmm. And then he has given me a heart to see people for who they were made to be. And I get to connect the dots. She does foster that. Uh, potential really well and she delegates really well so she's not doing everything she's letting us who love teaching teach and and so on and so forth so it's it's incredible and that's what um leadership in christ is all about it's not being quote the boss it's communicating vision it's connecting people with needs with those who have resources building teams together um in the love and wisdom of jesus christ stay tuned we'll be right back with more in just a moment Well, I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams Church, and we're wrapping up today's program. If you ever want to um, visit us at Living Streams, we're at Central and Glendale, right on the corner. And you can look us up on the web, livingstreams.org. Stop by one of our Sunday services, 9, 15, or 11. We'd love to have you visit. Veronica, if somebody is interested in contacting you or Young Lives, uh, how would they reach you? So by, through my email, it's Young Lives, and then my initials, VM at gmail.com and so that's usually the best way to go or you can even get my info from living streams so. great and how about a website does uh, young lives have a website you know we have like a more international website it's not mm. really local although you can find us through that website but it's just a little bit more complicated we'll have to talk about that off the air <laughs> upgrade you um and Chris Ann, thank you very much for being with us. Do you have any closing comments for our guests in terms of making themselves available for ministry? I would say, um, I don't want to say get over yourself, but like it's okay to feel like, oh, I, I'm not good enough or something, or I, you know, I don't have enough to contribute. But like we've been talking about, the Lord will use you, and you, and He'll stir in giftings you didn't even know you had. So if you just get on board and say yes with something that stirs your heart and you're passionate about, like it's a journey and the Lord will take you on it and it's incredible and say yes say yes make yourself available Veronica closing words from you um, no I just want to say thank you so much for having us on and um, for letting us share our heart because we really do believe that God is big and good and if he's for you who can stand against you that's a great closing word if God's for you who can be against you he's given you gifts he's given you talents And he expects you to use them. And he expects you to invest them. He expects you to develop them. He said to go and make disciples of all the earth. He said that to all the apostles and leaders. And he says it through others to us. I'm saying it to you. Go and make disciples. Because Jesus is Lord. And we don't want to just have little baby Christians. We want to have fully engaged disciples who are bearing fruit. You can do it because the power of Christ is in you. Thanks for being with us on today's program. Go in peace.